Out of all the social media apps you use in your daily life, pretty much every one of them has tried to sell you something. From sponsored posts to carefully marketed ads, social media is the ideal place to target the exact group of people you want. And although news, keeping up with friends and procrastinating study are big reasons people use the likes of Twitter and Instagram, they're all on the internet and therefore can't escape one of its main reasons for existing, porn. Sites like Facebook and Snapchat vary wildly in regards to their adult content policy. Officially, most don't allow them, but many accounts can fly under the radar or use creative photography to get around restrictions. While porn accounts certainly were extremely prevalent on Snapchat a few years ago, recently they've cracked down on users violating their terms of service. Even though they don't investigate personal Snapchats, because never mind the data, the GDPR implications, who would ever use an app based around time-sensitive pictures that tells you when they've been screenshotted to send nudes, any public accounts used for porn are usually swiftly dealt with. Facebook and Instagram all have similar situations. But recently, a social media app has come to prominence that has combined the two great pillars of the online world, selling and sex. OnlyFans is one of the newest apps in recent times to really break headlines for its model. It's been around since 2016, but it was last year that it really began to come to prominence. It now has thousands of users all over the globe, with people earning anything from spare pint money to rent from the service. But what exactly is it? Think of a mix between Snapchat, YouTube and your electricity bill. Anyone can set up an account, which is the same thing as a channel or private story, but most people simply call it their only fans. People can subscribe, but here is where the money-making side comes in. Subscribers have to pay to view your content. Prices can start from about €4.32 Euro and can go as high as you want. Thinking of charging three grand a month so people can see you sink pints instead of going to lectures like the mad bastard you are? Go for it. Just no one will subscribe. Trust me, I've tried. Content can literally be anything, but where the biggest growth for OnlyFans has been is in the adult entertainment industry. Now we know what it is, who actually uses it? Anyone and everyone. You, me, well for everyone's sake, let's hope not me, anyone, as either creator or consumer. It has served to democratise the porn industry. It appears less seedy than Pornhub, and 80% of all money that the creators earn goes straight into their bank accounts. OnlyFans take the other 20%. Beyond subscriptions, people can also tip creators if they feel they're doing a good job or if they have any unusual request. And people have been cashing in on the opportunity. One Irish user, an Instagram personality and fitness instructor, made over €7,500 in just two days on being on the app. A Welsh model reportedly makes £40,000 a month from the app. Closer to home, Students are using it as a second job to pay for things such as holidays and clothes, to the important stuff like food and bills. With the market exploding at the minute, awareness has risen hugely and that of course means people have an opinion on it. So what has the reaction been? Mixed to say the least. Those using it have argued that it's just as viable as any other sex work and the corresponding respect should be shown. Porn stars and the girl or boy in your lecture on the Russian secret police aren't usually synonymous however and some have taken offence at mainly women profiting from their nudes. One tweet about the issue reads, Tragic how many birds have OnlyFans accounts now. It's almost become socially acceptable for lasses to be showing their hanging gammon for just a fiver a month. Skeptical emoji. But others have hit back, saying these opinions are rooted in misogyny and even classism. Everyone sends nudes.
Many nudes are screenshotted, sometimes without permission, and kept after relationships break up or romances fizzle out. What is the difference, many ask, from seizing the initiative and making some money off the process for once? The line on whether OnlyFans is sex work is blurry. Some say it is sex work and should be respected as such. Others say it isn't, many who use the app. It's just a business opportunity, mainly if they don't want to be classed as a porn performer. Even this highlights the enduring stigma surrounding sex work. Only 60 years ago in this country, if you dared to play the foreign sport of soccer, you were then forbidden to play GAA, and you were punished for being left-handed. Modern Ireland, only a few years ago, became the first country in the world to legalise gay marriage via popular vote. Although we're liberalising at an unprecedented rate, not every taboo is being erased. To delve in deeper, we interviewed someone who was experienced as a sex worker in Ireland and asked them to explain the reaction the work provoked, as well as if only fans would help shatter stereotypes or only serve to reinforce them. We're here now. We're back with Shay O'Hine. We already had her on the podcast last week. A fantastic tower reading, which basically says I was fucked. Very, very accurate. This week, slightly less jovial, but no less interesting topic. And we're discussing with her the topic of sex work. So first of all, Shay, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. Not at all. Not at all. We're very excited. So we're going to jump right in and talk about sex work, the, the topic. When exactly or whenabouts, not exactly, did you get involved in sex work? Um, I got involved in sex work, I think I was in fifth year, I want to say, and I was involved for around three-ish years, two and a half, three years. Perfect, fantastic. And, and did you reveal to friends or family at the time that you were involved in that line of work? Um, one or two of my friends knew, my family didn't know um, at all. Um, it was just my friends that were also sex workers at the time kind of knew and we kind of like talked about it um but other than that no it was very much a secret thing and what was the reaction you mentioned they were in sex work they were probably not as much stigma around it what was their reaction to your your line of work well i mean it's kind of it depends on why you go into sex work what the kind of uh reaction is um i was kind of doing it out of like a form of like seeking independence in a kind of desperation way um so people who were doing it kind of like for the laughs like where they were like this seems fun going into it didn't get a great reaction whereas the people who were doing it because they like had to because they needed the job because it was easier than other jobs that kind of stuff um got a much better response from other sex workers and from you know people in general and was there any specific reason that you you gave it up or you know just you kind of you reached the end or um i think see it's it is a job and it's kind of like I, I remember it was just like coming up to the leaving cert and i was like i'm too busy for a job um so it was, it was very much like any other job it was just like i'm doing the leaving this is like unreasonable can't do that uh so that's kind of what happened pretty much and how was how was your experience changed as a, a trans woman was transphobia a factor on top of the usual stigma um kind of uh so <laughs> it was um the kind of sex work i did was very much like with uh the quote-unquote straight men um so it's the kind of uh very much this kind of like um like it's very difficult to kind of describe sex work in kind of reasonable terms because it's like all of the actual terms that we use are like stuff that you can't exactly have on a podcast but um (laughs) but um it's basically like uh i was in the kind of market of uh straight men who are into kind of like gender ambiguous people so as a trans woman it was kind of 
in some ways gender affirming and that's one of the few one of the reasons I went into it was because it was like this way to reclaim my sexuality that I felt like I didn't have the claim over but then on the other hand it was like you know some of the stuff that is said in the sex work world about trans people is like you know just trash and like you end up pulling that with you and like keeping it with you so there was kind of pros and cons um in terms of being a trans woman in sex work you mentioned there you got a lot of businesses kind of you know people who are looking for gender ambiguous business what was business like was it busy and were they the sort of people you expected to be coming business was busy um i just kind of did it as um as much as i could uh it was very much a a lot of a lot of what to do with sex work is just like it's a very much kind of supply supply and demand situation um because i was in a situation where it was like there wasn't very many people like me who were in sex work at the time it was like uh it was very low supply so it meant i could basically like charge whatever i wanted um and it was a situation of like a lot of people looking but because there's very few channels for it it meant it was like you know wherever you would you wouldn't get messages very often but once you did then it would be like you know access to like you know 10 other people uh so it was kind of uh ebbs and flows in business but it was just yeah there was a lot of business a lot more than i think people think um it also came from like people from all walks of life um you know it wasn't just like you know upper class d4 businessmen with like kids and wives who were just not in the house at the time um it was like you know um single lads who were just like in a house by themselves or like uh you know kind of age range from like around like 23 up till about like late 40s early 50s very very interesting and you were talking earlier about the legality in ireland it's kind of a gray area it's legal but it's not legal to solicit and if you rent places for it it's very very you know dodgy what what is your opinion on the whole situation um i think that uh when it comes to legality um there is a few different mindsets that people have uh my personal opinion first of all would be that full uh decriminalization would be the only way that can kind of like actually protect sex workers um like it's very difficult to do anything in a legal way that is also a safe way so um if say for example you're a sex worker and you want to have a place to um do your sex work and you rent an apartment um your landlord can be done for uh what's called like running a brothel basically uh, which is ridiculous and it doesn't make any sense but um it's basically just like a way to prevent sex workers from working also if two sex workers work together or you want to be a sex worker who has like a bodyguard to prevent you if um you know uh whoever you're with becomes like violent or anything like that um it becomes really sketchy uh also on top of that like for con use and avoiding stds it's very difficult to try to convince someone who's already doing an illegal act to be like also use a condom because it makes me safer um so it makes everything quite difficult um it's just because it's a gray area it very much feels like sex workers are overlooked and it's just like did it just makes the system of doing it really really difficult even though it is technically legal for us to do it it's like functionally not actually legal of course and Staying on this whole topic of, you know, legal sex work, a big one now recently is OnlyFans, a huge app taking kind of the whole world by storm, really. A big first of all question, do you think it's sex work? There's an argument about that. What would your opinion be? Uh, my personal opinion to do with sex work uh, and OnlyFans is that OnlyFans would be sex work. 
Um, well, obviously, OnlyFans, uh, I people use it for loads of different things, but we're talking about the specific case now of people who have OnlyFans where they're like selling their nudes, selling videos, that kind of thing. Um, that kind of thing would definitely fall into sex work in my book. Um, I know some people uh, like to say that it isn't, but I think that that's just people trying to like distance themselves from sex work uh, as they view like the kind of wider world of sex work, like, you know, um, what's called like rent boys and cam girls and you know, all of that. They're trying to distance themselves from that and be like, this is actually different. Whereas functionally it's still like working in the sex industry. Um, so I would view it as sex work, definitely. 100%. And that was a very good point you made that some people who have OnlyFans and are selling nudes don't view themselves as sex workers. There's a lot of lads on Twitter, mainly lads, not just lads, but mainly lads saying, oh, it's tragic and all this and who would ever go out with a girl like this and stuff like that. Do you think because of it, it is helping to reinforce the stigma around sex work or is it actually helping to break down barriers? I think you've got a, a little from column A and a little from column B. So um, on the one hand, it's definitely breaking down some stigma because it means you can talk like as a person who was in sex work or is currently in sex work you can talk to other people and it's this very open way of people being sex workers also um you see girls with only fans but you also see lads with only fans which is great because um male sex workers very rarely get a platform to talk about what they do um and now it's kind of opening the discussion to talk about sex work but on the other hand um there's a lot of people on twitter um mainly fellows to be honest um just like, you know, trash talking people who have OnlyFans. Um, you know, uh, girls as well, I've seen from both. I've, well, I haven't, I haven't seen any trans people doing it. Um, but, you know, yeah. um, it just kind of uh, disparaging the use of it and um, trying to kind of, uh, you know, say like, why would you do that? Um, but I think on the other hand, I've seen a lot of people who are like dating people who have OnlyFans who are like, you know, I'm fine with you, like, buying my girlfriend's nudes i get to see it for free like it's yeah. fine uh you know like you're funding our dates um i think it kind of came in after the whole uh there was last year there was this whole um pay pig trend on um on twitter where um various people on twitter who are like these influential irish twitter users mainly girls were just kind of moving into the the pay pig realm and getting money off like these older guys who wanted to give them money just because they were like hot girls that were on twitter um, so I think that that kind of opened the door for OnlyFans and now it's kind of, I think it's brought down the stigma overall as a net. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's brought down the stigma overall. And like you mentioned, people, because the stigma is less and various other factors, they're getting more and more involved, more people are doing it. Do you think that eventually maybe too many people will join and it will just collapse under the weight of it? There's just, I don't know, too many options or something like that? Or do you think it will always remain not always, but for the immediate future, remain viable to make money off sex work. See, um, sex work is called the oldest profession for a reason. I think it's it's always going to be wanted and like a functional social need. Um, also, I think these days it's actually people are getting more isolated over time. Um, like, even though we have all of these like dating apps and whatever, it's still people are getting more and more isolated. And it's, you know, the age of, uh, when people like first have sex is going up and up and it's like people are reaching out for these things um, you know like everyone can get free porn online um, like you know it's readily accessible however um, the kind of social connection you get from paying someone on OnlyFans is the same kind of social need that's filled by people who are looking who like um, go and 
pay sex workers um, because you're looking for that connection. So I think because that need is on the rise, uh, OnlyFans is going to stick around unless there's like a legislative change that makes it uh, different, um, which I wouldn't be surprised about because honestly, like uh, I've seen a lot of people like advertise their OnlyFans, which like is of like very sketchy legality uh, because you're not allowed um you're not allowed to advertise that you do sex work uh, in any place. So I think it's kind of, uh, it's, if there is no legal change, uh, OnlyFans is going to stay around. But uh, if we do have a legal change, then, you know, the bull could always burst. That's a very, very interesting point. And as it gets more, you know, attention nationally and you'll eventually have news talk presenters in their 60s who don't understand it talking about it. But that really raises a good point. It could very soon be legislated against. And you mentioned there, do you think it might be if you if you were... Uh, if you were to take a guess, what would you say? I'd say that it would be, to be honest. Um, so I think that uh, a lot of the opinions I've heard from people in positions of power about legislating with regards to sex work is always like, we're trying to stop trafficking, we're trying to stop people like getting into this and getting over their head. It's always out of desperation, that kind of thing. Um, I think that the argument could be made very easily by people using that same kind of argument to be like OnlyFans is like a gateway drug to sex work and that kind of thing um you know uh where in reality it's like you know everyone has to work now like especially people in Dublin you've got to work to live um rent is so high housing crisis it's like sex work is a lot is functionally a lot easier um than having to like fit things in with your schedule and whatever because you can do it whenever you want and you're on your own boss and all of this um so i think that it probably will be legislated against but i think it would be a lot safer uh if they didn't uh and i'm kind of hoping that it kind of just uh goes a little bit under the radar honestly well shay that was an extremely interesting and insightful interview thank you so much and really it's a very interesting time to see what will happen with the whole field. Shay, thank you so much. Thanks very much. The interview provided many interesting insights into the field that I never even considered. Although I was aware that soliciting, advertising your sex work was illegal, although the sex work itself wasn't, I didn't realise that simply putting your OnlyFans on Twitter or in your bio is technically illegal under Irish law. It only takes a matter of time before this issue becomes aware to the wider public and eventually the government will probably move to legislate it, as Shea indeed said. So really, it's an extremely interesting time to see what happens with OnlyFans, how long people will still be able to make money off it so easily in this country and if there'll be any sort of punishment for the widespreadness of the app by the government. OnlyFans has brought ordinary, everyday sex work to a wider audience and revealed that many still harbour suspicion and distaste for those taking part. It has garnered its critics, both male and female, and people are divided over the true reason for this criticism. It has also gained a huge following and enabled numerous people to earn anything from a few extra euro to their full living from the app. With OnlyFans continuing to grow in popularity and visibility, only one thing is certain. As its fame grows, so too will its notoriety. And it won't be long until radio presenters in their 50s, who still get their dirty mags in the post, will be holding this up as the final damning example that Irish society truly is forsaken. This week we're starting our latest addition to the podcast, the Trinity Tweets of the Week. These will be five of our favourite tweets from college students about anything and everything. If you want to be included, make sure to actually write funny tweets instead of weird shite that makes no sense followed by a trademark simple. 
A highlight of the week in Twitter was my first ever tweet, ooh, asking for interviewees to take part in this very podcast. Since not a single person got back to me, however, the tweet failed in its one purpose and won't be making the top five. This week's tweets, not in order, are... We have Chloe, handle at claustrophobic, so you know when there's a pun in there, you're really expecting some top quality stuff. If a bitch with a fringe shows you her forehead, that's how you know it's real. I haven't got there yet, but we're, we're on the way. The second is from someone we believe is called Ariana, but their handle is at leoveracker420, so who really knows? If your girlfriend studies arts in Trinity, you're single to me. What's she going to do? Drink red wine, smoke rollies, and cry? Our third one is from the man behind Trinity College, Trinity's premier meme page, just after Trinity Truths, in satirical content, of course. The first years come to my tutorial, unwashed and ignorant, begging for enlightenment. I nod sympathetically and graciously bestow upon them the wisdom I myself only attained the previous day. The next one is a little bit of a cheat. It's a retweet of another tweet. Comes from our wonderful online editor, Jack. Definitely not my boss in this whole podcast thing. His tweet reads, Satire is dead. And the screenshot he has used is a man whose name is Tory and Ukib Spain Brigade. Very, very enlightened person. We should set up our own court one above Supreme Court, we could call it number one top court and win it in that, in response to a question if the Supreme decision can be appealed. And the final one, although not technically from a college student, it is related to college, you are all cargo livestock, numbers on a spreadsheet. You are nothing. And that one is courtesy of Dublin Bus. So there we have it. That's all from us at Trinity Views for this week. But if you have questions, comments or unquellable rage, direct it all to my own Twitter, at BackHumac. Or, I don't know, maybe shout at me next time you see me in Front Square. Our next podcast will be exploring Sober October and how not drinking in college is actually more fun than you'd think. If you don't believe me, and I don't blame you, join us next week to see if we're full of bollocks. See you then.